Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Good afternoon, Ryan Tejas. Good afternoon on the hottest friggin' day. day. It is scorcher here in Los Angeles, folks. Scorcher. Just a scorcher. Uh, Thanks for making this podcast yours. Uh, if you're here for Brian Baumgartner, I, I really hope if you really like the interview, you'll give the uh, podcast a chance and subscribe and uh, follow us on our handles and write a review. It really helps the podcast with a little podcast that keeps going somehow. Thanks to all the people out there who are supporting the podcast and my lovely patrons. Uh, what are the handles here, Ryan? At Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. That is correct. And just a few shout outs. Uh, my good friend Shira Ostroff uh, at the Animal Rescue Mission. They rescue, rehab, and find forever homes for abused and neglected animals. Uh, check them out. They're just uh, they're they're an awesome, awesome nonprofit. www.theanimalrescuemission.org if you'd like to donate. Tell them old Rosenbaum sent you. Also, Echoes of Hope for foster youth and uh, foodonfoot.org if you want to support homeless. I'm a part of that organization. And the Ronald McDonald House, of course, got to support. Um, you know, not a lot going on in the con world until November. I'll be doing that. But uh, just a shout out, my my buddy Rob, who's in the band Sunspin with me. Our album's coming out in a month, so keep going to sunspin.com. Uh, there'll be merch soon. We've got some cool stuff coming. I believe calendars and mugs. We're going to make some t-shirts. Support us. I really appreciate all your help on that. And if you want any cool merch, go to the Inside of You online store. We've got scripts. Smallville script signed by yours truly, Lexmas. We've got Smallville pictures. We've got inside of you pictures, mugs, tumblers. Uh, we've got so many cool things. So do that. And if you want to join Patreon to help support the podcast, which so many of you do, uh, it really, truly keeps this podcast going. Go to patreon.com slash inside of you. Patreon.com slash inside of you. And I will give the shout outs to all the top tier patrons at the end of the podcast. So make sure you listen. And uh, that's about it. We got a great guest today. You know him from the office. Uh, what a kind guy. It's my new BFF. I just love this guy. I loved having him on. He was uh, not only funny, but he was he just kept it real. He's such a he's just a sweet, funny, informative guy. Then you enjoy it? I did. I wasn't there. I missed it. I wish I was there for Oh, it. yeah. Jason was here. I know. Jason was here. It was a really great time. I really loved the podcast. I wish I to meet him. Yeah. I think you're going to really love this podcast. And I'm also on his podcast. So after you listen to this, you could listen to me on his. I think he asked me some of the same questions I asked him on purpose. Let's get inside of Brian Baumgartner. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You. Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. 2003. 2003. Yep. I bought my first house in LA in 2003. Really? Yes. And? I bet it was about the same. And uh, you and how I, many years did you live there? Well, it was small. Yeah. So not that long. Um, <laughs> not not that long. It was, 
I mean, it did well in a short period of time. Maybe it was two thousand. It was probably two thousand five. But yes, and then I lived. Um, I lived east, uh, Bronson Canyon, for nice. about ten years. And you liked it. I did. Yeah, but you lived alone, or you had a girlfriend at the time? Yeah, no, I had a family, and I. Um, yeah, it it was great. And then I started having kids, and decided that it wasn't for me. So right, I went right. to San Diego. You know, I, you're another one of these guests that I say occasionally when they come on the podcast that people like you. You're a likable guy. <laughs> it's just my friend was at a they have a, these office conventions. Okay, you were just there. Okay, yes. Right? And she was there, and she's more into animals, animal rescue. She has the animal rescue mission. Oh yes, I met her, Shira. Shira. Yes, yes. Who? Um, this is going to be so, is it, we're recording, right? Sure. Yeah, I know we are. This is going to be so <laughs> embarrassing if she's listening. What did she play on the office? I, I don't remember the role. Oh, it, was, okay. it, was, it was a girlfriend of, of, uh, Reigns. Like Reigns? A, 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 early on in the show, it was like an episode where she was like the, uh, the, some girls that he was dating. I think she was in high school or maybe it was, Oh yeah, it was weird. It was weird. It okay. was either Rain or it was Krasinski, but I think it was I think it was Rain. Interesting. Okay. But anyway, she, she was, was there. She was there. They asked she her had to come. She's like, what the hell? She had do- Well, it, they weren't her dogs, but she was helping with the dogs. Right. Yes. So do you go to a lot of these? Because I go to comic conventions, cons, like eight or ten times a year. Do you do a lot of these? So I don't. You don't? No. But I, I, more just because I feel like I have to... I, I just I'm on the road a lot these days. And so I sort of have to budget the time that I'm away. So like I had not done anything since COVID started. Right. So that's already nothing. You didn't do anything. Three, that's, that's three, three years. years. Can you believe yeah. it's three years? Not or you know, so like the beginning of of you know, the end of nineteen, beginning of twenty, something like that. I I did one that was the last one I had done prior to like a week ago. Right. Yeah. It was crazy. Do you like them? I mean, do you like the, the attention? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not. That's not no. really my. That's not really my thing. I, I look. I thought it was super cool. And what is amazing about the Office fans is, and I and I have said, and it is true. Like the best gift that I have been given from the show is truly how. It, being able to experience from the inside how much the show means to people. I mean, like truly means to people. And and it's bizarre because I, I try to think of myself and 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 translate their love for the show in me for something else. And it's hard for me to find, but what I what I'm talking about is like people's desire and and need to tell me mm-hmm. how much the show has meant to them, how much the show meant to them in a really dark time in their lives. Yeah. That the show brought them comfort, that brought them, made them feel better, um, healed them in some ways. And I mean, you know, military veterans or people who the have same thing, yeah. gone through a, a an incredible loss in their life or a medical condition and and that they want to tell the story. And so do I like it? I mean, it's draining. It, it's very dra- <laughs> it's very draining. It's amazing, it's, but it's also like when everybody's doing it, you're like you want to give them the attention, you want to give them the love and you're just like, "Oh my god, I'm just I'm so exhausted." Exactly. And 
And I know that that sounds like, oh, poor you having to sit there and listen to people know, love you. I know. I know. It's crazy. But like that, because that was an office convention. Right. I think it was slated to go from nine to six. That's yeah. And I didn't take a lunch break. I didn't. I did not leave because of the people waiting. Talk to I was, every last person. I was there until about 8.15. Yeah. I think it's a it's a beautiful thing when you connect with someone and they tell you what the show meant to them and you're you know you're surprised you're like how could this something that was just funny and goofy and we had fun and right. I was getting right. paid for how could this mean so much to you but then when you you, you just try to wrap your head around it it's kind of it's a little confusing but it's also a beautiful thing and what I meant to say is not that it's like <laughs> you get drained it's just like you know you do a podcast for an hour right you you don't want to talk anymore right. Right. I don't want to do more than an hour with you. It will not go over an hour. Right. So imagine you're there for nine hours of talking to people. Right. It's just naturally you're going to be exhausted. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, but I, it is, um, it does mean a lot to me. Sure. It, it really, it really does. And I think that specifically the show in a lot of ways, how it was constructed, um, you know, I've talked a lot about, this on my podcast when i talked to the other cast members that that i sat down with one of the questions that i asked everybody was about the last line of the show and what that meant to them and clearly greg daniels the creator wrote the last episode so he wrote the last line and the last line goes something like um why did they decide to do a documentary about a paper company well, I think it's a great subject. It's about beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? And I think that that celebration of the ordinary for the office, that cel- that these people have meaning. We Spoiler alert, we weren't like friends, right? Like we weren't like on the cover of Cosmo and doing all of the glamorous stuff. I'm talking about the actors too, who were on the show. Right. We were a, a group of ordinary people who were assembled by a great casting director to work together in this place. And, and that celebration I think is what, what responds to people. Yeah. Did you, uh, you auditioned for the office, right? I did. How many times? You know, I think it was just twice. It took a long time for a decision to be made, but I think I think it was just twice. I hadn't done anything at that point. Nothing. Well, you had done I mean, theater. I had done theater. Like yes, yes. So I, I had, I was very, very, very new to Los Angeles. So like, I didn't know. Al, you know, Allison Jones had a stable of comedy actors that you know she was watching for years at UCB and the Groundlings and all of those places so I wasn't that um you know I, I had to convince them to let them see me um but yeah I mean I had a lot of experience in theater and character creation and what stuff. about improv were you big in improv no, I wasn't see that's great because I auditioned for the office oh you did way back when as for well, what year did it start well, so it, the the pilot was um, the pilot was shot in two thousand and four. Right. Yeah, I read for it. I, I okay. didn't go. It didn't go any further, obviously. Right. <laughs> but weird. I mean, weird. I just I'm here right now <laughs> talking to you. It, it didn't go anywhere. But uh, were you surprised? Did they ask you in the audition to do any improvisational? 
uh, pieces or like that they say, hey, just keep going, keep talking? Um, not so much for me in the audition, though I kind of did. They, um, Allison Jones is brilliant, um, but they had me reading for the role of Stanley. Right. And I knew the British version of the show. And I knew this character that they were calling Kevin here was the part for me. So I read, for the producers, I read Stanley as though it was Kevin. Really? Yeah. And I left the room and was like, I don't I don't know how that went. And Allison ran after me and said, hey, there's this other role we want you to, we want you to read. And so then I went back in for Kevin. Um, just, just, just cold. Coldish, yeah. I mean, she probably said, "Here, take thirty minutes." Or you didn't learn the lines, but you kind of just read off and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, what what did Daniels? Was he in the room? Daniels. Did he just give you a smile after? Was there anything that kind (laughs) of kind of made you feel like I might have? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't remember any of that. I I don't. I, I don't remember any specific feedback except a feeling which i'm sure you've had which is like when i left i went hmm. that that went well like that went i don't i mean probably at the time because i was so new i was probably thought i got that <laughs> right <laughs> now it's more tempered now i i know enough to know that like oh i'm in the mix for sure and they may choose you right. as they, opposed to me they or they may choose you know a different color or a different flavor a different you know type person um but i yeah at the time i i knew that and you know what? i don't know if i don't know if you ever heard this i uh i it was down to three when steve carell left the show allison jones was looking through memorabilia for steve like is there something from his first audition or whatever and she came to like his party when he was leaving and she pulled me aside. She was like, I didn't really find that much for Steve, but I found this. I thought you'd be interested. And this was like a paper. It had been seven, eight years, kind of uh, discolored. I have it in my office now. And it just said Kevin Malone. And uh, it's in my office, but I don't remember the order. It wasn't in order, but it it said one, two, and three. Brian Baumgartner, Eric Stone Street, and Jorge Garcia. So at that time, that's before Lost with Jorge. That's before Modern Family with Eric. And there, there I am. And wow. Rain Wilson always says to me, too bad Eric didn't get it because I'd be much richer now <laughs> if I had gotten Modern <laughs> Family. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it worked, it worked out for everybody. Wow. Inside of You is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Senolytic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it. It's a product that I didn't, they weren't even my sponsor when I was using this. And I was like, wow, why do I have more focus or energy? Why do I feel better? Why do I feel different? It's because I take Qualia Synaletic, Neurohacker. Look, if someone would have told me, Ryan, that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months, I wouldn't have believed it. But uh, I tried quiacinolytic and the rest is history. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling. 
Also known as zombie cells, they're old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, qualia senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And Neurohacker Qualia Senolytic has a 100-day money-back guarantee. Oh, I have, I have more energy. Uh, I feel younger. Uh, I'm more productive. I will tell you that. I'm more productive. And uh, I feel like I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about my life. I definitely feel that, and uh, for me, the aches and pains are less lessened by this, so that is a real important thing for me. Help resist aging at the cellular level, folks. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside. Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code INSIDE at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got rocket money. Okay, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period, it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. And I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like 
the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. I mean, when you were, were there nerves when you were first doing the show and you hadn't done much, like you said, except theater, do you remember being nervous on set? Do you remember being like, I'm out of my league? Uh, how, how'd that feel? Yeah, I remember I remember the pilot and Angela, Angela Kinsey and Oscar Nunez and I had a very short scene in the pilot that we were shooting. And, you know, it was shot at the end of the day. And we left thinking, okay, we may get fired. <laughs> like, really? We may, yeah, like, there's just not enough to show just, what you could do. Yeah, they're just what, yeah, that, that's exactly right. And so we were like trying to make this meal out of what was a very, very simple exchange that should have been delivered simply. And, um, and I think that, you know, looking back, I think it was m much more about, what happens in pilots, which is just that everybody feels like everything has to be perfect. perfect. Everything has to be exactly yes. right. Oh, yeah. And so I think it was much more about that. But at the time, we were just thinking, like, how did we just spend an hour and a half on this? <laughs> like, right. whatever, like three or four line exchange. And we started improvising pretty quickly. And I think we know about it. I think so what happened was there were characters from the British version, Kevin being one from Keith was the, the British character, but Greg Daniels always knew he wanted a larger, um, a larger ensemble here. So like Oscar talks to me a lot about in his audition, he improvised a lot um, because he, you know, he, I think he read for Stanley as well or, or read for somebody else, didn't get it. And they were like, but we like this guy. Let's find out wh who this guy can be. So he did a lot of improv. I think Angela, um, Angela Kinsey as well, which is good because they, you know, they have, I mean, they're incredible improvisers. Right. It's weird though now, Michael, cause I, um, that's what people see me as is like a comedy improv guy, right? Just on the surf. And that's really not at all what I, what I was, what I did. I was like dark theater, dramatic, like horrible characters trying to find some sliver of humanity and the like darkness. Um, but you know, now it's like, Oh no, you're a improv guy, right? You're a comedy improv genius. Uh, exactly. You were exactly. one of the biggest shows ever made. <laughs> right. Exactly. Were you a regular? Did you sign a deal for as a regular or were you a recurring and became a regular after, 
the the so the first season, which was only six episodes, we were we were all recurring except for you know four or five guys, um, or four or five people, right. um, and then we were made regulars. Right. Yeah. Well, tell me about you talk about the dark stuff and the theater stuff and all that. But growing up, you grew up in Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah. Were uh, did you have cool parents? Were they together? Were they the uh, cool parents? Great parents. Loving, loving, very loving, very supportive. Oddly, of you know the path. They told me the story later. So I gra- <laughs> I graduated, I graduated from college, and I started doing theater. And I went and joined a very small theater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the first show. My parents, supportive, flew to Minneapolis. Um, they told me they told me that they told me that night this story, which was they got into a cab. This was before Uber. They got into a cab from their hotel and gave the address of where the performance was. And the cab driver said, "You don't want to go there." <laughs> oh no! Yes, <laughs> that's so, what you were doing your theater. Yes, apparently it was not a great neighborhood. And they were like, mm, "No, I think we do." Um, and it was it was February, right? And I'm from the South, so like it's cold. Intensely it's cold, cold weather is not something that my parents or I were comfortable with. And they show up. I think there was a discussion of canceling the performance because I think there were like twelve people in the audience, including my parents, and it was like like freezing. And my parents didn't say anything that night. But years later, probably after the office, um, they came and said, you know, we had a we had a ride back to the hotel after this, which was like, what the fuck is he doing? (laughs) He's a smart guy. Why is he doing theater? This is horrible. He's here. Nobody's watching. Like, what is he? What is he doing to me? They were really supportive and great show, you know, everything. But like between themselves when they got alone they were like oh he's made a horrible horrible (laughs) mistake he's made a disastrous error did they try to tell you at all during this whole process of you becoming an actor hey have you thought of maybe having a backup plan you know there wasn't there really wasn't much of that i mean i was um i decided early meaning just like like everyone goes to college, right? Thinking you're going to major in one thing and you end up majoring in something else. I mean, this is yeah, what, yeah. this is like a part of life. Mm-hmm. And that was not me. I mean, basically from the summer before my senior year of high school, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I was, I was singularly focused on that. So like I went to SMU, um, which at the time, and I think still, you know, I, I did. I didn't want to go to like a Juilliard or a, a Carnegie Mellon. Like I wanted to go to a university. And at the time, I believed um, that SMU was the best training pro conservatory training program in the country that was within a university. Like I went to US, came out to USC, and there was Northwestern and a lot of places that people think about. Like Northwestern people sort of think about theater or USC, UCLA out here in LA, but SMU to me was the best and that's that's where I went. And so I had like a, you know, a very singularly focused college career and then beyond, I never sort of wavered. Were you popular like growing up? I was, I was never a theater kid. I don't, th- I, I, I never, 
So like I wasn't in a fraternity, but I was hanging out with all the fraternity people at, really? at SMU. Yeah. Did they go see your shows? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Actually. Really? Yeah. And they were supportive. They, they were supportive. Yes. Because like I loved sports. So like I wanted to be going to the basketball games and the football games that right. weren't great, but like I wanted that college, I wanted that college experience. Yeah. Um, and not just, in fact, I remember getting, um, cause the, the theater department was, was insular in a lot of ways. And there was like parties, but they were like the theater parties and somebody's, re- yeah. um, and I remember getting shit late, late, you know, junior, senior year. Like you don't ever go to the theater parties. Like what, you know, you're, what you're just like too good for us or you're like blah 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 and i was like no no it's not that i just have i'm spending all day every day with you know all of you i want <laughs> I more around yeah, I you. Want, yeah i want like a, a you know a wider breadth of experience so yeah my friends uh by and large in in my well that's not true i have a lot of friends who are in the theater department still um but i had a lot that was outside for sure Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The theater department, I don't know if you folks out there listening know, but it's very clicky, very, very, very judgmental, very, I mean, they're thinking everybody's judging them, but really <laughs> they're judging. I remember being a part of it and it was just like everybody was out to kill each other. Yes. And it was like, oh yeah, what's up? There was a couple guys, a couple little friends that you had, but you know, when you saw those names of who was cast in a play. Oh, I saw some looks. Like, are you fucking kidding me, Rosenbaum? What the fuck is he doing? Right. He sucks. You know, did you experience a lot of that? Um, yeah. I mean, it was it I mean, it was I never really talked about this, but it I mean, in truth it is. I mean, it was pretty cutthroat y and not it was always very sort of outwardly supportive, and it was a supportive department for sure, but you know, they were a premier theater training program and they let in 15, act- this is a freshman year, 15 actors and 15 others. And they called it theater studies. So that was directors, designers, writers, you know, all of that. And there were 15 actors. By the time we graduated, and this wasn't, there weren't cuts. You weren't like eliminated like a game show. But by the time we were done, I'm guessing there were six actors, seven without counting in my head right now. So, I mean, it's just like people are like, okay, this is not for me. Right. Which is what happens in college all the time. Like you think yeah. you're going to major in economics and then you <laughs> discover 
PR or whatever. I don't know. Right. I don't know. What, what do you major in? Yeah. I don't even know. Well, I, I could not come up with two majors to make that example. Um, no, yeah. I, it's, I, yeah. it's true. Yeah. I, I had a teacher, Professor Dr. Whitney Combs. Doctor? Dr. Whitney Combs. And I remember the first time I took basic techniques of acting my freshman year. Okay. I'm still talking like him. <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there in a, in a classroom. And he gets up and goes, um, if you're here for uh, just an easy elective, please raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Please raise your hand if you're just here at, for a free, uh, it's an easy elective, just raise your hand. And I, I was always a goofy kid. I was about, I was like seconds away from lifting my hand up and I didn't. And then about seven or eight people raised their hands They're like, yeah. And they're like, now if you'll quickly leave my classroom. <laughs> They're like, what? No, seriously, get out of my classroom. And he kicked those people who just wanted an easy A or whatever out of the classroom. And then afterwards, he stopped me, Mr. Rosenbaum. And I go, yes. He goes, I was wearing a Mets cap and a Mets jersey. I'm like, I didn't look like a theater kid. I looked like a punk. And he's like, do you really want to be here? And I go, yeah. Yeah, I do. I didn't know if yeah. I wanted to be there. I was right. scared shitless. I had an audition for a theater, uh, for a play then. And he kind of shook his head. I, it took years. I wanted him to make, you know, I wanted him to like me. Right. And eventually I started to do plays and build up the confidence. And he took me aside at the end. And I said, should I go to grad school? And he goes, I think you're ready. I think you should go to New York and give it a shot. And I did. He was, it was one of the few people that really were like, hey, you've got this. That's incredible. It was incredible. Did you have someone? For um, sure, who was yes. the who was the mentor? Who was the person that you remember that goes? I, they're giving me the confidence. Dale 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 Moffat. Dale, Dale Moffat. Dale Moffat. Yeah, he was uh, for a long time began to transition out, but was the head of the acting uh, program at SMU. And I mean, I mean, my the difference in in my story was exactly I'm sure the same, but because it was a conservatory you had to be one of those 15 people to be in the class. Right. Right. So it, there were, there was no, ele- like that wasn't an option. And that's what I mean. Like we were in, you know, you usually you're going back and forth across campus, taking get different classes. We just moved on mass from, you know, voice and acting yeah. to movement to, you know, theater studies and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, so that was the that was the difference. But yeah, no, he was the one who I mean, I guess what I would say is that I had good instincts and I had an experience bef- the for, the summer before my senior year of high school where I went to Northwestern actually and there's like this program and it's one summer for kids. It's called the Cherub. Have you heard about this? The Cherub no. program? Oh yeah, at Northwestern for incoming senior students in high school and it's it's intense like i don't know six eight weeks but it's like theater and was and it ended up being akin to my experience in college but that's when i went and it it was for me like i'm confident on a stage i feel like i you know i understand basic you know I don't even know what I would think at the time. Like, and you're only like emotion, 17 or 18. Yeah, like emotion, whatever. And this was like, oh no, there's like a process for like 
actually do figuring things out and doing the work. I mean, like being an act, like, and that's what opened my, my brain to it. And so I feel like when I went into SMU, it was, it was all instinct. And then by the time I left, it was like, oh no, okay. So if I'm given a character and I'm reading and beginning to assess like their needs, their wants, what they do to get those things. I mean, basic actor stuff, but being able to deconstruct a role or a, a, a play. And, and if you're having trouble, this moment doesn't make sense to me, being able to figure out what that is as right. opposed to kind of skating through it and right. waiting until the next thing I understand, so which you, I think people yeah. do a lot. Yeah, so you think you can't just go become a great actor based on just your instincts. <sighs> Do you, do you need, that's a hard, that's that's a a tough question, right? It's a really tough question. I think that, you know, for me, and I, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying something like revolutionary. I think if you look at, at my work, for example, like you see it right there, um, there is for me, the construction of character is really important and finding who that person is. Um, and, and that voice and body and movement and rhythm and pace and all of those things, um, help to make up who that character is I'm creating. Yeah. There's just as valuable, you know, like, uh, I mean, Harrison Ford, for example, Harrison Ford is spoiler alert. I'm looking cause he's got a <laughs> he's statue right, next right to here. Me. He's not a he's not transformative. Right. Right. He's he's essentially Harrison Ford. Right. Like, right? I mean, he's not he's not he's not Brando or you know, De Niro or you you know, and not that but I'm he's saying effective. that better. Incredibly he's incredibly effective. effective, but it's about uh, so like does he just have incredible instincts? I don't know. I don't I don't know him personally. I don't know what his process is. Right. But you know, um, but for me, it's about it's about using all of those tools that I have now to try to completely invent in every way who this character is, how they're the same as I am, and how they're different. So you're doing all these plays in yes. college, right? Yes. And what happens after? Were you aspiring to do film and television, or was it theater something you just wanted to do for the rest of your life? No, I was just talking to somebody, actually, Emmanuel Shriki, um, uh, on my podcast about this, that for me, it was only theater. It that was all it was. I, I, and thinking back, because I just had this conversation with her on the podcast, that I, I can't. I, I don't even film and television. Never. It, it just almost wasn't even a something I thought about. Wow. Never. I really. I That's really crazy. Didn't. It just seems to me that every actor wants to be get an Oscar. Every actor wants to get a. You know, it's like I have to admit, like when I was in college, I was watching Tarantino movies and going, I like theater, but man, I want to do movies. I want people to see me. I want. I want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely. I don't know. I think for me that was just not that it wasn't achievable. It was just not something. It was not the path that I was on. I guess. Yeah. And maybe I just did, maybe I just sort of thought like, oh, that's for later or something like, and, um, here's a story I don't think I've ever told oh. uh, and Harrison Ford. Now it's all coming back to Harrison Ford. Sweet. I had a friend who I met in Chicago in the chair program for my senior year. We stayed friends. Um, and she had moved to LA and she was actually on a television show. 
Um, and um, she became very good friends with Callista Flockhart's best friend. Harrison Ford's wife. Harrison Ford's wife. And I, she invited me to come out to the premiere. You could figure out the, the date of when this was. I'm going to say it's circa 1999 or 2000. Okay. The premiere of, I think, Midsummer Night's Dream. She in Midsummer Midsummer Night's Dream, the movie, I believe. It's Midsummer Night's Dream. I shall forgive you if you're wrong. It was um, invited me to the premiere, and I was at the premiere, and my friend lived around Westwood, and so I was staying with her around Westwood, walking through Westwood, going to Coffee Bean for the first time. The weather was amazing. And going to the premiere and Faye Dunaway was sitting right behind me. And I truly, I, that for me was like, oh, I like it here. I want to be here now. Really? That was it. That feeling. That was the, it was like, oh no, this is, I belong here. And I grew up in Atlanta. So that was my home. I mean, I was born, raised through high school. That was my home. And I, as I was doing, I was in, you know, Dallas and then Minneapolis. Like I said, I was kind of based in Minneapolis and I was traveling around and doing theater in all of these places. I was like a regional theater actor. So I would go where the work was. And, um, but I was, I, I never had a home for, for sure. I never had a home and I visited here on that trip and it's such a cliche now, right? It's like, well, yeah, you were at like a humongous premiere, you know, they rented out in Westwood you know, like an acre of land and turned it into the forest. It was Midsummer Night's Dream, right? Yeah, yeah it was Midsummer 99. Night's Dream. 99. In 99. That's this fucking steel trap of a memory right there. 1999, <laughs> Midsummer Night's Dream. And so it's like, oh, you're at a premiere and there's Faye Dunaway. Like, of course, of course, you're going to be seduced by it. But I was like, oh, no, this is where I need to be. And so it was wow. at that point that I started, um, I started thinking about, lost just being in los angeles um and uh, you know three ish three four years later i i i finally made it do you ever get starstruck besides faye dunaway i i've never seen faye dunaway since by the way um (laughs) she is awesome um for me it kind of you know i was lucky so early i mean first off i saw corell turned from one of us to something not right i mean like right at the beginning of the show just before the you know we'd done six episodes and 40 year old virgin comes out and like he's literally the biggest comedy star on the planet at that point um i worked with robin williams a few times and so like pretty early i was you know um I was I was met and introduced and so that it, that never did it for me. Um Jack Nicholson. Yeah. When did you meet Jack? Cuz I've met Jack a few times at the Lakers. Out of Lakers. That, that's where I met him too. Yes. I was yes. in the back room with Jack Nicholson. In that back cigar room. In the cigar room. Yes. That was it. I was yes. there. Yes. And that that was where it was. Well, I was there and I was sitting there talking to him 
And I go, man, that's a shame. You know, they need Shaq to be back in the game because he was injured or something. He's like, yeah, well, you know, it's like if, you know, he starts talking about this and that and everything's fine and we're having a nice conversation about the, the Lakers and the season. He doesn't miss a game. And, and all of a sudden, this guy comes up to him and goes, hey, Jack, this game isn't as good as it gets, is it? And he goes, if you'll excuse me. And then fuck. And I looked at the guy and go, you fuck. I was just talking to Nicholson. And you fucked it up. You fucked up my mama with Nicholson. He goes, Jesus, dude. I was so mad. I, I know exactly what you were talking about. Because for me, it was very similar. And in fact, there's a the, in the in the bowels of Staples Center, by the way, he's referring. There is a room. Chairman's room. There is a room and there is a cigar room within the room. Which is if you're in the room where it happens, then there's another room that you don't even know that exists for a while. Yep. And I was in there. Uh, I was in there, and and my buddy was with me at the game. And there's also like very nice bathrooms back there oh, yeah. in the oh, in yeah. the chairman's room. And so my I said I'm gonna go in and maybe have a little cigar. And my buddy says I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'll 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 meet you in there. And it was just me and Jack. Yeah, it was. Me, it was yeah. just me and Jack. And my buddy later tells the story. the The door into that room is a swinging door, like it. You know, it swings both ways, like a you know at a at a restaurant between the kitchen and the and the thing. And my buddy describes as like pushing the door, like pushing the door, like to walk in full speed, seeing that it's me and Jack, and slowly backing away and shutting the door. <laughs> and he gave. He gave me that moment. He was like, I'm not going to screw this up. I know how he feels about Jack. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, what back, did you say? I'm just going to back away. Uh, it was, it was, it was largely the same. Uh, we discussed the office very briefly, mostly about the Lakers. I want to say this was our, the, the bulk of our conversation was about Bynum. Uh, Andrew Bynum. Wow. Center for the Lakers. Blast from the past. Yes. Um, that had some great games and then had some not great games that I believe that was where the conversation was focused. And, um, we bid each other goodbye. And then I, you know, we sort of did a hello, uh, several other times after I used to go quite a bit to the, to the right. Lakers games as well. But, um, yeah, for me that that was, that is it. I mean, I think I, th he's, I think for me, probably that was it too. Just meeting Jack Nicholson because he's he's got to be my favorite of all time. Yeah, and it's just be, it's be movie star. He's a yes, movie star. he is. He, that is right. He is. He but and and I don't mean any disrespect to like someone like, and so I'm not speaking of this person specifically, but like there's like I guess now it would be like Tom Cruise ish, like movie star, but there is something about Jack that he was so good and so transformative in so many different roles the shining and one uh, flew over the cuckoo's nest and chinatown and all, I mean, all of these movies that he was just so amazing in and at the same time he was jack like before there was a, the one name thing existed he was just that and the you know i read something this is years ago so i'm sure i'm getting it wrong but it was like the <clears throat> The director camera shot to Jack at the Oscars like somebody had gone through and counted how many times, right? Like the host is on stage or somebody and they like just they just 
cut to Jack and, to you know, Jack. let go to him. And it was like the most cutaway shot in the history of the Oscars by like a gajillion or something that's scientific. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. So, but there was that and the sunglasses and the courtside at the Lakers oh. game. And yeah, there's just this, this feeling of like, whoa, like I think when he, when he's around, it's like, everybody's like, wow, that's yes. a star. It's yes. just, you know, uh, what was I going to say about Jack Nicholson? Oh, there's this, the shining documentary did you ever see the shining documentary i don't think i did stanley kubrick's daughter i believe vivian kubrick okay shot this documentary of the shining it's like 30 minutes and it's like jack brushing his teeth and he's like yeah i don't know if people really want to see this is this interesting i don't know and then they just they follow him around as he's getting on walking on set he's like all right here we are we're going in this room now and we're you know, and he's, he's, he's jumping up and down, getting ready for the big, here's Johnny. Yeah. You know, and it's just awesome. Oh, How could God. you have not seen that? I haven't seen you that. You guys got to listen. You okay. have to find it. Um, it's on the Shining um, extra stuff. Uh, it's it's superb. But uh, that, that's, by the way, I'm a big horror fan. And The Shining is probably my favorite horror movie of all time. I think it's mine. Yeah. For sure. What's your favorite line in The Shining? Oh, man. Mine's really weird. Oh man, <laughs> I don't. I mean, here's Johnny comes to yeah. mind. I mean, it's so iconic. You just said it though, so that's why I'm thinking that I should say something no, else. Oh no, here's literally, Johnny. No, I literally am like I should say something else. Um, oh, yeah. There's the there's the moment on the stairs. Well, there's the moment on the stairs, but um, it's not even him. But it's the it's the bartender Lloyd Lloyd Lloyd. It's like. You have always been here, right? Like, uh, oh, that's 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 the caretaker, uh, Grady. Grady, Grady, Grady yes, yes, Grady yes, in the Grady, bathroom. Grady, yes, yes, yes. You're the caretaker. Yes, you've always, yeah, yeah, you've always um, been the caretaker. Yes, I didn't quote that line well, but that I that line still so, just shivers. Just yeah, like, what the fuck is going on? I think my favorite is when um, uh, she goes up to Jack. Uh, Shelly Duvall's character, what's her name? Uh, Wendy, Wendy. Wendy. She goes, Jack, Jack, someone's at the hotel. Someone's here at the hotel. They, they hurt Danny. And then he turns around and looks at her and goes, you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my favorite uh, moment because uh, it's so non sequitur, just weird. No, I... I know, I know my favorite moment, which isn't a line, right. is when the camera comes around and you see all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy millions of times in that on that typewriter. Boy, was that something. That, yeah, that's my favorite moment. Whether you see me typing, whether you see me working, whether you don't see me working. You oh, do a man. really good Jack. Oh, I know I, that you just, know this. I mean, I do. I don't do. do it a lot, but I do love Nicholson. Thank yes. you, thank you, thank yes. you. But it was a yeah, yeah, it was an opportunty. I mean, we were yeah. talking about Nicholson. We you were said talking, Jack. I, mean, I know. Um, you have a book. Well, first of all, you, you're a New York Times bestseller. I mean, well, how? The, that seems like an impossible task. Your book, Welcome to Dunder Mifflin: The Ultimate Oral History of the Office, was a bestseller. Yes. How many copies did you sell? What do you have to? How many to, to be a bestseller? I don't know, but quite a lot. <laughs> Jeez, were you were you like surprised? Um, yes, in part. I mean, I I I mean, I think a lot of times, as we were talking about earlier, you know, if you build it, they will come. Meaning the office fans, and but I, 
we were we the book launched on because I was in Scranton. I went to Scranton and signed copies of the book in Scranton. And I'm gonna say that was a Thursday or Friday evening. The book launched on a Tuesday, and I started getting text messages that the book was no longer available at Amazon. This is like three wow. days later. And I was like, oh. How many sales do you have I, to, for I, Amazon to text I, you that <laughs> this book is no longer available? I know. I don't know. Um, but which was, you know, it had been like months of it not being available, right? Like it's like pre-sale available this date. <clears throat> and then so quickly after it, uh, after launching for it to say that, I was like, oh, no, no get them more books where are the and it's not quick to reprint books by the no. way it's not um I, there were some more somewhere but like amazon's entire allotment which i think amazon is huge you know you send a lot of books to amazon it was gone um it was it was a lot of fun I, the whole experience of of getting the gang back together and 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 telling that story and for me it was truly for me it was based on a, a question because there was some conversation about doing a podcast and, and telling the story of the show and and how do we do that and you know i've never really been into like presentational type stuff or like let me explain to you why we or us were so brilliant um but you know we were i kind of referred to this before but we were the number one show on nbc for most of the time that we were on. So 10 years, nine seasons, the first two, we struggled mightily. Um, but for most of the time we were on, but we were never like, we never thought of ourselves. And I know that our collective experience was in the NBC, you know, pantheon of these shows. So like Seinfeld or Cheers or Friends for sure. We were never that. We were like, a solid hit right now for NBC that doesn't have a lot else on the air. That's truly how we were treated by NBC. And that's, that's what we were. Um, and then three, four years ago now, streaming numbers start coming out and my experience walking through an airport or being out in public suddenly is way more intense than it ever even was back when we were on Thursday nights every Wow. And that was the entire experience of the book of starting the podcast was really based on that question, which was why, why, why is this, why is this happening? Why is, because it is one of the biggest hits in the history of television. Well, now, now more people are watching it now than any other show in television. Like, think about that. That's insane. So, you know, you still have the cover, what, Stranger Things or, you know, whatever the hit streaming show of the yeah. moment is. More people are watching The Office than are watching still. those shows. Still. That's remarkable. It's in I know it's insane. And so that for me was it, which is wh why, is this why? Why is this happening? What? And can we go back and can we deconstruct decisions that were made that maybe have made it the show not, that it is. yeah and not just survive this long but actually now be thriving again right like michael we were not making a show for kids this no. was not a <laughs> no. this was not no. a conversation yeah like we were like oh if people who work in an office can maybe relate to it 
then we'll be okay. Like we'll stay on the air. Right. And, but like the kids are watching it. It's crazy. That is just insane. Uh, the new book, you're releasing your second book, a seriously good chili cookbook. Yes. In September. Uh, I didn't know you were, you're a, like your character. You're a chili aficionado. I'm a chili aficionado. Yes. The character is, and, um, has become a, a, a big meme. Jeff, gif, <laughs> gif, Jeff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just become one of these, one of the moments from the show. And so I, you know, I think the first couple of times was really like, let me let me do it for the gram, right? Like I'm going to make some chili and take a couple pictures and this will be fun. Right. Um, and then I do enjoy cooking. I, I, I love to cook. It is. I would a, love to taste a, your a, chili. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't just even say it like that. I mean, um, you, <laughs> but you have compiled, it says 177 of the world's best Chili recipes from celebrity chefs, restaurant owners, chili cook-off winners, dedicated fans, and of course himself. Yes, that's crazy. I so I have my own recipe. They they have the the recipe from from the show or or best their best guess of it. But no, so a year ish ago, I went. This is a thing that exists, and not only does it exist, it's like I should have done my research. It's like 60 years, give or take a couple of years. The World Championship Chili Cook-Off exists in this country, sponsored by the International Chili Society. It's been going around 50 to 60 years. And there's a competition for like world the world champion. And so everyone who is there is a winner, right? Like <laughs> right. everyone has won. Yeah. They're local, they're firehouse, the, you know, the firefighters have one, there's, um, you know, their region, their state, their whatever. And there's like a hundred of, you're, there's a field and there's just people cooking chili everywhere. And you're like tasting it and trying to evaluate it. And, and I judged it. Um, and it was a crazy, crazy experience, but so much fun. And the passion that people have for, I think because it, takes time and i think in a lot of ways the longer it takes the better it and so it becomes very communal it becomes very family whether that's like your actual family or like the your friends or whatever the people who enjoy it too um it's something you share i love it i just there, there's a, the culture of it i love i just love and there's like beans or no beans or you know green meatless or meatless meat. and meat and turkey and this it's a million ways you can a do it yeah well there's at least 177 <laughs> 177. 177 ways that's fantastic um so yeah i i i had so much fun uh putting that together and uh yeah coming out coming out september 13th a seriously good chili cookbook let me just ask you is your chili would you think it would compete with some of the top chili makers in the world? Yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, I don't mess around. How long does it take you to make a bowl of chili? Um, well, you know, typically you make a pot of it, not just a bowl. Sorry. Michael. Um <laughs> Can you imagine? Just you're Ten literally hours you're, you're, for a bowl you're, of you're, chili. You're, you're literally just measuring out enough meat for one bowl. Um, 
I would say, I mean, there's a certain point in time where I do think like the longer you let it go for, for my recipe, the longer you let it go, just the better it is if you have more time. So like ideally I'm starting late morning and going to do it in the evening and just let it just, just let it just, just get all up in there and the shit flavors and if you yeah. ever invite me to where you live for some chili i I would go okay if you ever have a party a chili party or chili whatever, party chili gathering okay please uh this is called uh, by the way the podcast off the beat podcast yes how long have you been doing this so i um i have been doing a podcast or another now we're at about three years and what i what i mean by that is i started with the office folks which were really taken from the interviews that that for for that book but like i had Corel for three hours i had greg daniels for i think four and a half hours or whatever and i sat down and we recorded all these conversations and then we released those interviews and not just them but like the chairman of NBC and designers wow. on the show and writers and directors. And, um, and, and that was really about, tr- again, trying to figure out or at least come up with some answers to why the show is so popular now. Right. Um, but, you know, there's a limited number of people who worked on The Office. And right. I just started loving doing it. And so I went to iHeart and just said, like, I want to keep going. And they're like, go. And so now it's really my goal is sort of the same. It's just now much more individual, which is is about it's called off the beat because a um, a director and theater director that I used to work with that told me that uh, all great comedy happens off the beat, that there is an expected rhythm which you could call the sitcom rhythm. But when something truly surprises you, when something changes what that expected pattern is, those are the, that's when it's truly special. And so for me, that's, those are the moments that I'm trying to find, you know, we're talking to Emmy winners and, you know, athletes now who have, you know, won MVPs and Super Bowls or whatever, but I'm really interested in those, moments that happened that started them on a certain trajectory uh that changed yeah that that changed where they are um and and what they become that's cool very that's really cool thank you off the beat podcast thank you listen to it folks i got some really loyal listeners they will listen please and if you ever need a guest man all right i'm I'm around no you're 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 in i would do it you're in i have i have a sort of an interesting story yes i think i I don't know clearly (laughs) (laughs) this is called shit talking with brian baumgartner (laughs) this is uh my top tier patrons get to ask questions okay this is rapid fire this is the end of the podcast coming up rapid fire so i should answer as quickly as i can you can but if you want to elaborate you feel free you don't Mm. have to rush through it you're like i really need to get out of here no no i'm I'm trying to understand the rules yeah there's no rules really it's like you know you could rapidly speak or you could take your a moment uh but go to patreon.com slash inside of you to to join patreon become the family i'll send you a message after i appreciate the support for the show it really really helps the podcast all right chris r um I know you just released a chili cookbook, which we just talked about. Yes. So I got to know which recipe is your favorite. <laughs> I mean, how are you going to give that? You know, I, I well, I'll say I, I, I'll say two. One, mine, obviously. <laughs> two, I would try. Um, 
I am I'm not going to pull her name right now, but last year's winner of the homestyle division, um, which basically means with beans, um, I, I in the preliminary rounds, I tasted her chili, passed it into the finals as my favorite, and it ended up winning the entire thing. So. One, I was pretty proud of myself for being able to, to that other people agreed with me. Yeah. And two, it's absolutely delicious. So uh, the Homestyle winner, I know it's there. Um, I apologize for not remembering her name, but from 2021, the ICS World Championship Chili Cook-Off. Try that one for sure. Wow. Emily S., is there anything you would change about Kevin, your character in The Office, if they gave you a chance? Anything? Um, <clears throat> I wish he'd had a longer term romantic relationship fair enough sophie m do you have any fun stories from your episode on screen queens <laughs> so that's from sophie that's from sophie sophie thank you so much for the question <sighs> sophie i don't really <laughs> i don't so i don't i don't really i i i mean i had a good time i know that it was it was fun it was entertaining uh, those guys can be really good, and I don't really have a memory. I'm sorry. Leanne, what or who inspires you? Jack. There, we've learned that. <laughs> Jack inspires me. Um, honestly, I still love creating characters. I still love that. And getting a script, and particularly now being tasked with a a character that I haven't done before or I haven't done to the masses before, you know, maybe something I worked on in, in theater and, and it's been a number of years and being able to go back into it and do that, that, that would be, that really inspires me and, and gets me really excited. Maya P what is the best game of golf you've ever played? I shot 72 once I was, uh, the course was a par 71 and I was under par on the front and my brain couldn't even comprehend that that was the case. And so I thought that I was already one over. I lipped out a putt and then only later realized that if that had gone, I would have been even. Um, but wow. 72, that's my best. Have you ever, finally, have you ever dealt with any like anxiety or, or depression or issues like that? For your, you seem kind of a happy guy, a guy who has it together. But has there ever been ruts in your life where you just you couldn't get it going? Um, I've been very lucky in that regard. Um, I mean, look, everybody from time to time has difficult times. That's not something that I've particularly struggled with. No, I and 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 so I my my I, I I'm not a good person to speak to it. Um, I I guess I'm just lucky. What yeah. do you What do you do to stay kind of like your mind to stay? golf? For real. You golf a lot. I, I mean, I try. I mean, to play a lot, but that for me is, oh, it's, I, and the reason why is because I, I am a, I, I am in some ways a micromanager, right? Like in terms of my business and, um, you know, I, I'm always looking at every angle and my brain will sort of like spin like that. Um, when I play golf, I'm thinking of really, truly, for those four-ish hours, I'm thinking of one thing, 
which is trying to get this ball in the hole. Your mind doesn't wander. And it really. really doesn't. And I and I also, to the frustration of of people, I now my manager, I tell him I'm 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 checking out. Like, I mean, I tell him where I'm going right? as opposed to like trying to hide it or whatever, because I really try unless there's something urgently happening to not look at my phone. Like I just I put it away. Don't look at it. And, and you think that helps significantly? A hundred. It helps me. For I, think, sure. I think it would help everyone. A hundred percent. Shut your phone off every once in a while and just go do something and forget about yeah shit, you know that's i mean for a lot of people it's hiking right or or something like that that takes less time generally than than golf and i i know that it that it takes a lot of time but i'm i am by nature you know i played sports growing up i'm competitive and so that that kind of drives me yeah to do it's like no i want to play better i want to do better i want to hit a better shot and and you just every shot there's a there's a potential for greatness and also and horror and horror and <laughs> shittiness yes self-loathing and all that but at least it's just about this game and at the end that that is a, i will say i will be incredibly competitive and really in it and five minutes after we're you're over it oh no i'm totally over it like yeah i don't go home healthy and like, healthy yeah. mind yeah uh the book coming out is a seriously good chili cookbook comes out in september uh the podcast is off the beat podcast brian Baumgartner. this has been a real treat for me dude so much fun thank yeah. you so much thanks for allowing me to be inside of you today i enjoyed it me too <laughs> there you have it uh i hope you enjoyed that one i don't know how you couldn't have it was just a damn good interview wasn't it i hope you liked it brian's uh he's a mensch and i love doing his podcast and uh Thank you, Brian, for coming on the show. I appreciate you. It was a long drive from wherever the hell you live. He can't say because he doesn't want anybody to know where he lives. But not close. You know that I live in the Hollywood Hills. The Hollywood California. Hills. Uh, just a big shout out to the other podcast that I'm doing now with Tom Welling. And Ryan here is a part of that. Yep. And that's called Talkville. And uh, we air every Wednesday. We watch every episode of Smallville. And then we critique it the next day. So you will hear what we think of the episodes. There's a hotline. There's a bunch of cool stuff. There's some merch coming out and uh, exciting stuff. So I appreciate that. And if you want to support that podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash talkville and support that one. So uh, that's about it. I think it's time to do what we always do. It's uh, the reading of the top tier. By the way, I had my mom in town. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? Wasn't easy was not easy um i love my mother but uh you know she's i don't know she's uh she fell a couple of times and uh it was hard i mean i want to see her healthy and happy and that's what i i I want but uh i wouldn't say it was the most fun that i've ever had my anxiety was high Mm -hmm. here's the shout outs (laughs) Nancy D, Leah S, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill, E, Brian, H, Nico, P, Robert, C, W, B, P, B, B, <laughs> Jason W, Sophie M, Kristen K, Raj C, Joshua D, CJP, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jamal F, correct, Janelle B, Kimberly E, Mike E, Eldon Supremo, 99 more, Amira, Santiago M, Chad W, Leanne P, Janine R, Maya P, Maddie S, Belinda. 
And nice. Chris H, Dave H, Sheila G, Brad D, Ray H, Tabitha T, Tom N, Liliana A, Talia M, Betsy D. And by the way, I want to say thank you for everybody. I see a lot of names on here that are also supporting Talkville, and it means the world to me. So thank you for supporting not only Inside You, but the new podcast as well. It means a lot to, to, to me and Tom. Uh, Chad L, Marion, Dan N, Big Stevie. W Angel M Rhiannon C Corey L K Damn Mich- uh, Dev Nexon Michelle K A A Jeremy C Andy T Gavinator David C John B Brandy D Camille S The Chief Joey M Design OTG Eugene and Leah Nikki G Corey Katie B Heather L Jake B Mel S Orlando C Caroline R Christine S Sarah S Eric H Shane R Emma uh, Shane R, Emma R, Jeremy V, Andrew M, Zatoichi, Zatoichi 77, Oracle, Chris R, Michael F, Karina N, Michelle D, Amanda R, Amanda S, Jen B, and Kevin E. Those are the top tier patrons. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for listening to the podcast uh, every week. Um, I'll keep going if you guys keep going. From myself, Michael Rosen, I'm here in the Hollywood Hills of California. Hollywood Hills. I'm Ryan Taz. Uh, a little wave to the camera. We love you. Be good to yourselves, folks. Be good to yourselves, and we'll see you back here for uh, the next episode of Inside of You. All right. Talk soon. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.